A heads up that this episode contains offensive language. Yes, Unprecedented often uses raunchy language and explores intense themes. But today we're giving you a little extra warning because there's a derogatory word that we could not avoid in telling this story. When God brings a sword on a nation for its sin, if you do not open your mouth and say, stop sinning, the next round of blood is on your hands. And the only time the First Amendment really matters in this country is when your speech is the dissenting, troubling, angering, unpopular voice. Who needs the First Amendment for God Bless America? Do we have the constitutional right to be mean? How mean? In our previous episode, we told the story of Hustler magazine and its inflammatory parody of the televangelist Jerry Falwell. But what if inflammatory words are directed to a private citizen, to a grieving father at his son's funeral? That's today's episode. I'm Matthew Schwartz. I'm Mike Volo. And this is unprecedented. Matt was a senior in high school when he came home and said that he saw a recruiter at school and that he was interested in joining the military. This is Albert Snyder talking about his son, Matt. I said, Matt, that's fine if that's what you want to do, but I want you to take a couple weeks to really think about this. I said, we're in the middle of a war with Iraq. It's not getting any better. He said, okay, Dad. And he came back to me about two weeks later and said, I've decided I want to join. I remember Matt with his big ears. Um, The first time I saw him with his Marine Corps hat on in dress blue, I saw the hat, but all you could see really was the ears sticking out from under it. In December of 2005, Matt came home to Maryland for the holidays. He broke the news to his family. He was being deployed to Iraq. Of course, he tried to convince both his mom and I that I'm not going to be on the front lines. I think he probably knew. And I think for myself, when he was home that Christmas, I did sense a little bit of worry with him. So did he did he get sent to the front lines? Um, yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. It's different when there's a war going on and you have a child over there. Every time you hear on the news a soldier was killed, you're wondering in the back of your mind, was it mine? Was it mine? Was it mine? Matt took a video in the barracks one day in February of his Marine Corps buddies just hanging out, joking around. It's the last recorded sound that Albert has of his son's voice. Changed-looking gangster as ever. Little McDonald, little girl Susie. Cut. And that's a wrap. On March 3rd, 2006, Matt volunteered for a convoy mission in Iraq's Anbar province. That evening, 6,000 miles away, back in the U.S., Al was in the shower when the doorbell rang. And my initial thought was, it's my youngest daughter. She forgot her key. 
So I got out of the shower, threw a robe on, and I went to the front door. And when I opened the door, there were two Marines there. And as soon as I saw them, I knew why they were there. I'm kind of hit you like, I'm kind of hit you like a brick wall. It's a hard day, hard night, hard week, hard years. You know, there's not a day that goes by that I don't think of Matt. You know, I wonder, would he be married? Would he have children? Would he have stayed in the Marine Corps? What would his life be now? What would be his contribution to society right now? 20-year-old Marine Lance Corporal Matthew A. Snyder was buried in his hometown of Westminster, Maryland on the morning of Friday, March 10th. I remember that the immediate family went to the uh, funeral home and said our last goodbyes to Matt. I remember I was the last one out of the funeral home. And we got into a limousine and we headed towards St. John's Church. We had to travel down Route 140 in Maryland, which is a major highway. And I remember they had they had it shut down, basically, and people were out of their cars, standing there with their hands on their hearts. And as we rode past the fire department, the fire department had their trucks out, facing each other with a big flag draped. It was it was pretty impressive. It really was. And it was all for for, for Matt. Yes, it was. I also remember the children in the grade school at the church were standing along the side of the road with signs that said, we love you, Matt. As Albert Snyder was heading to St. John's that day, what he didn't know, what the hundreds of other mourners on their way to the funeral didn't know, was that another group was also traveling to the church. This is Margie Phelps. Three adults and four children took a flight late the evening before. They carry placards in artwork bags and um, drove to this relatively small town. St. John's is on a large plot of land with several buildings, including a school and the chapel. On the day of the funeral, the limo driver didn't pull in through the main entrance, which was weird. There was a little hill that went over down the road like, and then we winded up turning into a service entry of the church versus going into the main entrance of the church. And did you know at that point you were taking a different entrance into the church? Yes. Yes, it was quite obvious because that was the church we had belonged to. Did you did you know why? At that point, no. Our folks went to where law enforcement told them to stand, got in that area, really just about enough for those seven people to stand in at the tip of that property, took out signs, and for 30 to 45 minutes stood there holding signs, singing. As we turned the corner of the church, from where I was sitting behind the driver of the limo, I could see a lot of commotion, a lot of emergency vehicles there, and I could see the tops of the signs. I didn't see what the signs said. We did hear the chanting. God showed his wrath to thee. 
we heard it when we were getting ready to go into the church. And at that point, when they started chanting, the group of bikers that came to the funeral would rev their motors on their motorcycle. In order to drown them out? To drown them out, yeah. Matthew Snyder's family had become the latest target of the Westboro Baptist Church, which believes that dead soldiers are the price we pay for abandoning the teachings of the Bible and embracing sin. Westboro gained notoriety for picketing at hundreds of military funerals over the years. Of course, when Westboro shows up to a funeral, so too do the news media and the cops and a group called the Patriot Guard Riders who arrive on motorcycles and use large American flags to help shield the family from having to see the Westboro picketers. They turned the funeral into a circus. That's what they did. Because of their presence, there were probably 150 reporters on the ground. There were state police. There were county police. There were sheriff's department. There was a SWAT team set up in a Winnebago. All we were trying to do was bury a 20-year-old kid. Margie Phelps is the daughter of Westboro founder Fred Phelps, and she's a member of the church. She says that it's common for the parents of a fallen soldier to wonder, what's the point of the war, and why are our children dying? Westboro shows up at these funerals to answer those questions. And our answer is that because of policies of proud, impenitent sin— God has dragged this nation into a war that it cannot win, and you're sending the fruit of your nation onto the battlefield to be mangled and killed because you love your sin more than their lives. And adding insult to injury, when you encounter that mayhem, that awful, sorrowful outcome, instead of seeking God's mercy and forgiveness, You lift up your flag, which is the equivalent of lifting up your middle finger to God. That is not a blessing that your young son is lying in there dead. How do you get God bless America out of that scene? When God brings a sword on a nation for its sin, If you do not open your mouth and say, stop sinning, the next round of blood is on your hands. What is an IED but a broken up sword? That's our answer. Westboro protested for about 30 minutes, just until the funeral was about to begin. When it's start time for the funeral, they loaded up the signs back into the bag and got in the vehicle and left. And it was without incident. It's not always without incident. After the funeral, Matt's grandparents held a small wake in their home. Here's Albert Snyder. We were all down in their family room, and somebody said, let's turn on the television. 
You're watching the station that's working for you. And see what they say about Matt, because there were so many reporters there. A shocking protest at the most unlikely of places. The funeral of 20-year-old Lance Corporal Matthew Snyder, tainted by the Westboro Baptist Church. And that's when I saw the signs. Like a close-up of the yes. signs? Yeah. What, do you remember what they said? Uh, yeah. Um, you're going to hell, Semper Fi fags. Thank God for dead soldiers. These wonderful signs, God hates fags, Temple Beth Sodom, Jew fags, God This is a filthy nation. And I say, thank God for dead soldiers. I'm sorry that they raised their son for the devil in hell. I'm sorry that and they And I started yelling, turn it off, turn it off. And then he got himself killed over there. And I just kind of stood there with amazement. So, Margie, it's your belief and the belief of your church that the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan were a result of, I think, tolerance of homosexuality and other sins. Are you sure about that? I mean, most people would probably attribute those wars to George W. Bush or people in his administration. How do we know that it's directly related to God's dissatisfaction? Am I sure about that? Are we sure about that? We're as sure as we can be. We don't do any of this without a lot of introspection and a lot of seeking the Lord and a lot of searching the Scriptures. Nobody ever takes seriously the proposition that you should be sober and righteous and study the Scriptures and pass the time of your sojourning on this earth with a proper fear of God. That is not on the landscape as a solution, but it's the only solution, and it's what we humbly offer you, and it's hope, and it's life, and it's peace. So we're as sure as we can be. The Westboro Baptist Church may have been offering hope and peace, but it wasn't received that way, not by Albert Snyder. For him, the message on those picket signs was personal apart from his son's death. So there was something going on that nobody really knew about at the time. Right. Here you are at your son's funeral, and the Westboro Baptist Church, as they do, is holding up signs that say things like, God hates fags, and they don't know it. No, nobody really they, knows nobody, it, my, but you're gay. Right, my, my friends and family knew it, um, and I think they could understand the intensity of, you know, it was bad enough that that this was going on, but they hated to see me and my partner and my friends have to deal with something so vicious at a funeral. I had one opportunity to bury my son, and it was taken away from me. He should have had a peaceful burial. In the weeks and months following Matt's funeral, Albert discovered that he wasn't able to reflect on that day without thinking of the protest. He believed that Westboro had stolen from him the ability, the, the right, to properly mourn his son. He became anguished and tormented. Here's what he told NPR's Nina Totenberg. This was a funeral. I shouldn't have to look away from anything at my own child's funeral. These people targeted 
me and my family. I want to know how you would feel if somebody stood 30 feet away from the main vehicle entrance of a church when you're trying to bury your mother with a sign that says, thank God for dead sluts. You tell me that shouldn't be illegal. You tell me that somebody has the right to do that. Albert Snyder sued the Westboro Baptist Church for intentional infliction of emotional distress. Which is just another way of saying that someone was so mean, their conduct so outrageous. Outrageous being an actual legal term, meaning beyond all bounds of decency in society. Yeah, if somebody is found to have crossed that line, then they might be responsible for the emotional harm they've caused. And in this case, A jury sided with Albert Snyder. Westboro's protest was going to cost them $10.9 million. I thank God for the $10.9 million verdict because it's a small price to pay to get this message, America is doomed, in front of the eyes of the whole world. You can't pay for worldwide publicity that cheap. Adherents of the Westboro Baptist Church released a gleefully defiant video thanking God for the verdict against them. Again, We thank God for the $10.9 million because it changes exactly nothing. The soldiers are still dying, God still hates fags, America is still doomed, and you're going to hell. And again, Way to go, America. You put us on trial for our religious beliefs. You can't bring back one dead soldier. All soldiers have been and are dying in vain. Thank God for $10.9 million. And again, Westboro may have been publicly praising the verdict, but they were also appealing it. Will Westboro have to pay nearly $11 million for being mean? Coming up after the break, the Supreme Court gets the last judgment. Hi, it's Diane. The next meeting of my book club is on Wednesday, May 31st at 1 p.m. Eastern. I'll host a discussion of Mad Honey by Jody Pico and Jennifer Finney Boylan, followed by a conversation with the authors. Find out more and register at dianereem.org slash book club. God, cowards, hearts, Ziploc bags for body parts, and your army goes marching to hell. On the morning of October 6, 2010, members of the Westboro Baptist Church were out picketing and singing parodies, not at a funeral this time, but outside the Supreme Court, where oral arguments in Snyder versus Phelps were about to start. When can picketers at a military funeral be sued for inflicting emotional distress on the family of a dead soldier. The U.S. Supreme Court struggled. Being asked to decide if it was a terrible thing to do, it was. They have to decide if it was free speech on the part of the protesters. Reporters asked whether the Phelps family ever considered the Snyder family's feelings. Crying about your feelings. 
for your sin, no shame. You're going straight to hell on your crazy train. That's our answer about feelings. Stop worshiping your feelings and start obeying God. NPR's Nina Totenberg covered this case back in 2010. And she remembers feeling puzzled by the methods of the Westboro Baptist Church. Reverend Phelps, who I interviewed, was of the opinion that the United States was going to hell because it tolerated homosexuality. And even though in this case, the young man who'd been killed in Iraq, there was no suggestion he was gay. It was the idea that this was a funeral of somebody who had participated in the United States military action in Iraq and therefore was going to be damned in hell because of the United States' toleration of homosexual behavior. Now, if that sounds rational to you, it certainly never did to me. But I want to try to just put myself in their position. And to me, it does make sense. If you accept the premise that God has a certain way that he wants us all to live, and we as a society are uh, violating his rules, he's going to punish us. And that might be by killing our soldiers. That makes sense, right? That logical thought progression. I mean, it would make much more sense to picket the institutions. So what doesn't make a lot of sense to you is just who they're choosing right. and, to picket. And I was just, it's not the same as saying, I disapprove of, let's say, gay marriage or even a homosexual lifestyle, and therefore I'm going to pick at your restaurant, let's say, because you, you know, you have a lot of gay customers, you, you cater to them. I may not approve of that, but I understand it. The things that Reverend Phelps said, I sat in a small booth doing this interview by phone, and I, I just sort of emerged after, I don't know, 25 or 30 minutes going... How do I make sense out of that? How do I do that? More to the point, how does the Supreme Court make sense out of that? We'll hear argument first today in case 09751, Snyder versus Phelps. Does the First Amendment protect the Westboro Baptist Church from being sued for intentional infliction of emotional distress when they inflicted that distress on a private citizen? A father who was merely trying to remember his son with dignity? Mr. Chief Justice, may it please the court. Here is Albert Snyder's attorney, Sean Summers. We're talking about a funeral. If context is ever going to matter, it has to matter in the context of a funeral. Mr. Snyder simply wanted to bury his son in a private, dignified manner. Right now, the rule we're stuck with is Hustler versus Falwell for intentional infliction of emotional distress. But the rule out of Hustler, that it's okay to be mean to public figures, that doesn't fit this situation. Here's Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg questioning Sean Summers. Your claim is that Falwell was a public figure and the Snyder family is not. So I I think what I got from your brief is... You don't fall under that case because you're not dealing with a public figure. That's correct, Justice Ginsburg. The private targeted nature of the speech, in our judgment, is what makes it unprotected. 
so Matt, let me see if I have it right. The Westboro Baptist Church was being mean to the Snyders or inflicting emotional distress on the Snyders, however you want to put it. And the Snyders are a private family at a funeral. They are off limits. That's what Snyder's attorney is arguing. That's right. That's what Snyder's attorney is saying. That if you're really mean to a private person, you can't just point to the First Amendment and say it lets you do that. Of course, that's that's for the Supreme Court to decide, right? Right. There's another argument coming. On the other side, the attorney for the Westboro Baptist Church argues that it shouldn't matter if you're a private person, that speech about public issues can be directed at anyone, even regular people, even the family of a dead soldier, no matter how mean that speech is. Oh, and by the way, the attorney for the Westboro Baptist Church, none other than Margie Phelps. Ms. Phelps? Mr. Chief Justice, and may it please the court, when members of the Westboro Baptist Church entered an ongoing public discussion in direct connection with the deaths and funerals of soldiers killed in Iraq and Afghanistan. They did so with great circumspection. I believe that the umbrella of protection under the First Amendment that this court has established firmly is speech on public issues. Sometimes you get under that umbrella because it's a public figure, but the umbrella that you give the protection for is speech on public issues. So Margie Phelps is arguing that it doesn't matter if Albert Snyder and his family are private people. What matters is that we're talking about public issues, political issues, ideas, war, gays in the military, abortion. This gets the highest amount of First Amendment protection, even if it upsets people, because that all speaks to how we want to organize ourselves as a society. Yeah, it's called core political speech. And it's always been protected, no matter what. But should it be? Even when the target of that speech is a grieving father? During the oral argument, a major concern among the justices was that really almost anything can be a public issue if you frame it that way. Do we want the umbrella of the First Amendment to be so broad? Here's Justice Anthony Kennedy. All of us in a pluralistic society have components to our identity. We're Republicans or Democrats, we're uh, Christians or atheists, uh, uh, we're, we're single or married, we're old or young. Uh, any one of those things you could turn into a public issue and follow a particular person around, making that person uh, the, the target of, of your comments. Well, but again, this court has given substantial, long-standing protection to speech on public issues. And how could it be gainsaid that the dying soldiers is not on the lips of everyone in this country, and it is a matter of great public interest and why they're dying, and how God is dealing with this nation, 
And so this little But your church, position is that you can take this and you can follow any citizen around at any point. Not follow around. And, and it seems to me that you should help us in finding some line there. Yes, I will help you, Justice Kennedy, and I'm pleased to do that, because we don't do follow around in this church. We were a thousand feet away, seven picketers, out of sight, out of sound. Margie Phelps is saying, yes, it's true. You can turn most issues into policy discussions. But as long as you're not actively following someone around. Which would be harassment, I guess, right? Yeah. As long as you maintain a respectful distance, your speech should be protected. We're speaking on issues of public concern in public places, complying with all of the limits that the United States Supreme Court has imposed We don't get up in anyone's grill. We don't try to force the words on anyone. We don't engage in civil disobedience. We don't intrude into private matters in private places. It's the ultimate protected speech. And the only time the First Amendment really matters in this country is when your speech is the dissenting troubling, angering, unpopular voice. Who needs the First Amendment for God Bless America? For a case where the justices seemed so conflicted during the oral argument, the result was overwhelming. By a vote of eight to one, The court ruled that the First Amendment protects the right of the Westboro church members to speak their mind, no matter how mean those words might be. That multi-million dollar judgment against Westboro? Gone. In a ruling today from the Supreme Court came this reference to the First Amendment. This nation has chosen to protect even hurtful speech on public issues. NPR's Nina Totenberg reports, and we should warn you, this story... Today's 8-to-1 ruling may have surprised some people, but not First Amendment scholars, whether right or left. They note that today's ruling falls right in line with others protecting the rights of fringe groups, from Nazis marching in Skokie to flag burners at a Republican convention. Here is Chief Justice John Roberts delivering the opinion. If there is a bedrock principle underlying the First Amendment... It is that the government may not prohibit the expression of an idea simply because society finds the idea itself offensive or disagreeable. Westboro believes that America is morally flawed. Many Americans might feel the same about Westboro. Westboro's funeral picketing is certainly hurtful, and its contribution to public discourse may be negligible. But Westboro addressed matters of public import on public property in a peaceful manner in full compliance with the guidance of local officials. Speech is powerful. It can stir people to action, move them to tears of both joy and sorrow, and, as it did here, inflict great pain. We cannot react to that pain by punishing the speaker. As a nation, we have chosen a different course to protect even hurtful speech on public issues, to ensure that we do not stifle public debate. 
That choice requires that we shield Westboro from tort liability for its picketing in this case. Margie, do you understand how the speech that you engaged in at this funeral could be, never mind offensive or inappropriate or outrageous or any of those arguably subjective terms, but simply painful to a grieving parent? I really have to say to you with all humility, you've got to be kidding me. This man is standing there looking at his young, mangled son. And you think us suggesting that the policies of this nation cause that is more pain for him than that blow God just dealt him? What we are trying to do is stop the pain. So, no, I, I can't give any serious credence to that. Well, I guess this is the sort of cognitive dissonance that I'm wrestling with. I believe that you're motivated by a genuine and even a generous desire to save souls. But why not say something like God condemns homosexuality or God does not appreciate divorce instead of God hates fags? In other words, help me reconcile why it is that you you use that incendiary language, like thank God for dead soldiers, in order to make your point. We have been picked to death about how we word these signs, and that's good. I'm, I'm not complaining about that. I'm telling you that to say we literally every month sit down as a body and talk through how we word these signs. Every word on every sign is scripturally proper. The fact that it is loathed by an impenitent Bible-rejecting nation is to be expected. If you watched your child starting to run out into a highway and you didn't snatch him back with every force of your being, you'd be hateful. But we're trying to do the same thing about eternity. That's not hate. That's brotherly kindness. That's brotherly love. When the Supreme Court decision came down, Albert Snyder was really angry at the justices. Maybe it's the time that's passed, but for whatever reason, he sees it differently now. My son fought and died for freedom of speech, and I do understand what they did. And. I may not have when the decision came down. I remember being very upset, but the reality set in and I started to reflect on everything. And I realized that the Supreme Court made the right decision, as painful as it was. Unprecedented is produced at WAMU and edited by Ponce Rutch. Ben Privet is our audio engineer. Andy McDaniel is WAMU's head of content. WAMU's general manager is J.J. Yor. If you like the show, tell a friend. Better yet, tell a bunch of strangers by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts or, you know, wherever you get the show. 
If you have any thoughts or feedback on the show, send us a tweet with the hashtag AccidentalGuardians. And if you want more podcasts like Unprecedented, become a member of WAMU. They produce and distribute Unprecedented and other great shows. I gotta start doing that. What? Tweeting. <laughs> you, you do. You've got followers now. Go to wamu.org slash donate and tell them you're giving because you love Unprecedented. Or just click the link in the show notes. Or both. Or both.